first bonus episode. So this episode is the recording from our live virtual panel, the Beyond Taboo romance panel, in which we had four amazing speakers join me as I hosted the panel, and Lexi, who ran our back-end Zoom admin while the panel was going on. And this is really for those of you who couldn't join us live so that everyone can get a sense of this panel and how awesome they were and the questions that we talked about and how important it is for us to keep talking about romance and not be ashamed and to just, you know, love what you love. Because I personally don't think, you know, a guilty pleasure is the way that we should start describing romance or continue to describe romance. So on that note, I hope that you all enjoy this audio and tuning in to our panel. Okay. Uh, thank you all for joining me and Sisters Reading Romance podcast. My sister is here just kind of silently watching our chat. Um, before we get started, I just want to welcome all of you. Thank you for joining us here. Um, thanks for saying yes to being on this panel. I really appreciate that. Um, this will hopefully be a very good conversation um, and also be on the podcast. It would be really nice for you guys to be able to, to immortalize this on audio later on. <laughs> um, for those of you who are joining us live, thank you for joining us live. Um, we do have some giveaways. So closer to the end um, of the chat, anyone who has participated in the chat will be get it, given a second entry to the giveaway. So if you are in the chat and chatting amongst kind of yourselves, um, that'll give you a second giveaway entry. Otherwise, you just being here live gives you an entry. We're giving away some eBooks from some of our authors, um, as well as one of our book boxes um, from our book subscription that is launching at the end of this month, um, which you'll hear more about later on in the panel. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. And um, I hope that you enjoy the panel as much as kind of we've enjoyed planning it. Um, I am going to start with our, oh, Q&A, actually. So if you have a question, uh, there is a Q&A button. So you'll notice that your chat is on, um, but you cannot speak and your video won't show up, um, which is what we've kind of set. So if you have a question that you want to ask our panel, um, feel free to go to the Q&A section at the bottom um, and ask your question. That will Those will all pop up for us on our end. And then we will hopefully have some time for Q&A kind of at the end of the panel here. Um, and we'll go through and ask your guys' questions. So feel free to ask your question at any point so you don't forget it, um, it'll all pop up on our end. So whether you ask it now or whether you ask it at the end, we'll have all of it. Um, okay, we will get started. So introducing our lovely panel, um, on my screen, we'll start at the top. So we've got our both of our two influencers here at the top. So we've got Emmy. Um, Emmy rediscovered her love for reading a few years ago after she graduated from university. Um, she has a deep passion for reading a wide range of romance novels with a particular fondness for those that include diverse and inclusive character representation. She started her bookstagram, Just a Fellow Reader, in order to share her love of romance books and make new friends who also share her love for books. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um... I am so happy to be here and I what my favorite trope is um, right now because it always changes I think like everyone uh, so for right now I love a good grumpy sunshine so that's my go-to trope right now 
Thank you so much for having me. So excited. Perfect. We love a grumpy sunshine. The next <clears throat> panelist we've got on our panel is also an influencer, Jenna. Welcome. Uh, Jenna is an avid reader who fell back into reading during the pandemic. She loves all genres of romance and some fantasy too. She celebrates her love for all things romance, which turned her into inspire um, her bookstagram account. And reading has found herself acceptance and friendship within the bookish community. Thank you for joining us. Tell us your favorite trope. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'd have to say current favorite trope right at the moment would be forced proximity. That one bed, last bed in the inn, anything like that, I've been very much enjoying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this I'm super excited about today and excited to talk everything romance. <laughs> We're excited to have you. All right, starting at our two authors on the panel. Um, so first up, we've got Jackie. Jackie decided to, she wanted to be a writer when she was in grade two. She ended up studying engineering and actually didn't work as a romance novelist to begin with. She is now, though, the author of over 20 books and currently lives in Toronto with her husband. And despite living in Canada her whole life, she actually hates winter. Thank you for joining us, Jackie. What is your favorite trope to read? And then what is it to write? Um, I guess I like reading and writing similar tropes. So I would say either grumpy sunshine or fake dating. <laughs> Got a lot of grumpy sunshine. I can't say I disagree because I love a grumpy sunshine. We on the podcast love a grumpy sunshine. So it's great. Um, next up, our last panelist is Alexandria. Um, thank you for joining us. She is from a small city in southwestern Ontario where she resides with her fiance and two French bulldogs. Here in the podcast, we are dog people. So we love that. <laughs> Um, her passion for writing came at a young age, and she found romance novels to help cope with the downsides of life. She pursued her undergrad in English literature to help improve her writing skills uh, and prepare for her career in writing. She now writes a variety of romance that ranges from contemporary to dark and taboo and everything in between. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, trope. I feel like this is such a hard question because I'm always a reader first. So when I come to this, I'm like, uh, like my favorite trope is all of them. Um, uh, but I definitely say that I do like to write more contemporary with like little tidbits of other pieces in it. Like I like the taboo in there. Sometimes I like just like in that small town currently working on a like grumpy sunshine. So I do like that too. Uh, but reading wise, I have to say enemies to lovers and why choose are what I'm digging right now. Also good choices. I feel like enemies to lovers. I don't know if it's just like recently has really made a comeback of like, it's very in right now to love a enemies to lovers. So that is always a fan favorite, at least, especially for us on all the podcast, Lexi and I are, are a big enemies to lovers fan. So I've got some, some fellow lovers over here. Um, Okay, so thank you all for being here, um, and we will get started in our kind of panel questions. Um, for those in the audience, don't forget that if you have a question, feel free to pop it into the Q&A, um, and we'll answer those kind of at the end. Um, at any point, you can put in the Q&A, and if you're joining us and you um, kind of missed the beginning, tell us where you're from. If you've got a bookstagram, um, put that in the chat as well so we can kind of connect um, everyone kind of together because that's kind of what our that's what our goal is here is to kind of create a romance community. Um, so our first question um, is kind of to all of you to get a bit of a 
an idea of what you like to read um, and a bit more of an icebreaker is so romance novels can be a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I feel like they take us through, you know, swoony moments to things that laugh, we laugh and cry. Um, can you think of one book that you've read, let's say in the last year, that has kind of brought you through that roller coaster that you would recommend to our audience? So hard. I'm on my phone, just so everyone knows. So I'm like, <laughs> anyone in my thing is so small, but I guess I'll start. I recently read, which I'm sure a lot of people have read because it's so popular right now. Um, but I did caught up by Liz Tomford. It is the third book in her Windy City series. And like, it was totally like that book that made you smile, giddy and laugh until the end where you're like sobbing. And I was like, oh my God, this is a lot. So that book, that book to me is the one top of mind that I'm like, yeah, that one had gave like the range of emotions that you tend to get in romance. Okay. We haven't read that one yet. Uh, we've read the other two in the series. We have not read the latest one. So that is good to know. Um, okay, let's go with our other author, Jackie. What is your book? Um, I would say uh, let's go with The Marquis Who Mustn't by Courtney Milan, which just came out in the past month or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that one. Okay. Um, Emmy, what is your favorite so far? Um, so if it's for this year, the one book that really stood out with me was Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez. I think that's what I was saying. Um, her book, like that one just... I absolutely fell in love with it. It made me laugh. It made me cry. I love, like, one of the little subtropes I really love is letter writing. So that was a big part of the book. So I loved it. And it went, like, my all-time favorite, which is, like, I wanted to mention it, but it wasn't for the past year, is Archer's Voice. Because that one's a classic. Mm -hmm. It was the first book that made me sob. So that one, for me, will always have a special place in my heart. Those are two really good choices. I'm also a huge fan of yours truly. I read that as an arc and I was like, why is this not out right now? Everybody needs to read this book. Um, and I actually read Archer's Voice very, very recently. And I totally agree. It is it is a very understated book um, and it is very spoony. It's cute. Jenna, what is your book that you'd recommend? Um, well, for this year, I actually just, picked it up recently um it's out on a limb by hannah bonham uh young and i felt like that one just took me through all the emotions i loved the way the characters were together everything about it i laughed i cried i just enjoyed it endlessly so that would be mine for this year but i think my all-time like was one of the ones i read last year the year before was the simple wild by k.a tucker which I, oh my goodness, I sobbed at the end of that book, <laughs> but it was so good. <laughs> Jenna, I'll jump in. I read that one recently and I, it, that's a good one. I kind of forgot about it, but the emotional roller coaster on that oh, book yeah. is incredible. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> it was, oh, I, a friend recommended it to me. I was up till about four in the morning, at least reading that book. I could not put it down. <laughs> that's good to yeah, know. I read that it is not one that I've read. <laughs> okay wow so you guys just plowed through it okay Ooh. that's not one that I have read so I will have to add that to my list because that's not one that I have read actually okay that's good I love hearing all these I mean there's it's good to get recommendations of those that I haven't read as well so that's good um so let's talk about romance as a guilty pleasure I feel like that term is used a lot when it comes to the romance kind of genre as a whole and it's not my personal favorite term. I'm really not a fan of the whole guilty pleasure term. Um, it makes it feel like it's not 
you're supposed to be guilty. And I just, that's never been, that's never been a term that I like to use. So what are some of the most common misconceptions about romance and how do you feel like we can change the idea that it's a guilty pleasure? Let's, let's start with our two authors. Cause I think that'll be, it's an, it's an interesting one as people who write romance and still kind of hear about it as a guilty pleasure. Um, so what do you think that, you know, we can do to change that kind of misconception about this guilty pleasure that is romance? Um, this term, I feel the same way about it. I really hate the term guilty pleasure. Cause yeah, it makes you feel like you or should feel guilty about reading it. And I've struggled with that. Cause I went to like a Catholic school, grew up Catholic. And then you just kind of had that sense that you should not be reading that. And I remember bringing romance to school and getting that like pinned at me and teachers would be like, are you sure you should be reading that? And I like, would just be like, yeah, yes. Um, but I think I do see a positive progression in romance and the genre growing. I think back to when I would, when I started reading romance, I was 14 and it was still very hush hush. It was that 50 shades era. It was very much like, be quiet. You don't, if you've read 50 shades, like be quiet. Nobody needs to know that you're reading it. But I think we've made like a long way from there to now. Like, I think we're slowly making that progression. And I think it just that continue to build awareness towards romance and also bring awareness to the fact that it is female empowerment. It's all about love, which you can't go wrong with. It's a love story. We love that. Um, and just kind of reminding people that it's there's so much substance within these books. Like, it is not just smut it's not just love like there's so much building happening and I think love is probably one of the most complex emotions to try and write and even like so when you're reading it you're you want to feel all of that so I think that's a big thing and I think that we are headed in the right direction for romance and leaving that stigma behind but I do think we still have a ways to go (laughs) that's yeah very well said um so Oh, I tend not to think so much about common misconceptions, but just I think it's partly misogyny that has just meant that people don't have a great view of romance novels, whether or not they misunderstand what they are. Um, Sometimes people like to say that romance is a genre written by women for women, which isn't strictly true because there are men who read romance, there are men who write romance. Um, But I think the whole, uh, the fact that romance has been a very woman-centered genre has really affected the way that people view it and a lot of things that are seen as uh female focused just people don't look well upon them uh in the same way like anything for example that teenage girls like is generally uh despised uh and ridiculed so um i think really i think misogyny plays a big role in it yeah. And I think a lot of it too comes from this. Yeah. It's women for women when oftentimes it's a little ignorant to think that it's women for women when realistically, like there are tons of love stories that are a huge range of like diversity from race, from gender and same thing with authors. Like a lot of the times people don't realize that an author is male or female. They don't even bother to look and they're like, oh, this is actually like a male author. And I didn't realize. So I I agree. I think that a lot of it comes from just this idea that it's for women and that has brought this stigma in that like, well, it should be a little bit of a guilty pleasure rather than it's for everybody. And I think we're moving in a direction, especially in the last few years, that is moving away from this idea that 
it's not for everybody. And this like idea of like inclusion has been very, very much a forefront in the last couple of years in conversations with romance, especially with like book talk taking off and bookstagram taking off and having be such an online community for people that it's really changed the conversation around romance as a whole. So yeah, I, I definitely agree, Jackie. I think that that's played such a huge part of just, you know, where the stigma has come from. So as bookstagrammers, um, Jenna and Alexandra, you're also a bookstagrammer, and Emmy, you share your love for romance very openly <clears throat> as part of something that you do every day. Do you find that you've had, you know, backlash or negative reactions for being somebody who shares that really openly on social media with just like the world? I guess I can start with that. Um, so I've never actually faced backlash or negative reaction so I've been like I surround myself with pretty positive people like so that's always been my thing um however when I tell people that I like romance books they're always like oh Nora Roberts and I'm trying to be like no it's a lot more than just this one author um I'm and then it's it and I really love that question because then it brings out a bigger conversation especially I'm a very open person I don't hide my love for romance, especially at work. People at work know I'm a big reader. They know I love romance books. And it's even come to a point where some guys at my work come to me for recommendations because they want to start getting into the genre because they see how much I love it. So I don't think it's like a bad thing. And I, I think being as open about it is like um, to bring it into people's minds to know that it's not just one single thing it's a it's a wide variety like it's not just romance happily ever after there's a lot of emotions attached there's a lot of character building romance and smut it's just kind of like the secondary sometimes um but I've never personally faced backlash but I did get all those like little comments which I personally don't really love but I just kind of skim over it and I'm like no 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 let me explain so that's kind of how I felt I love that attitude of just using it as a as an education of like, let me tell you what romance actually is. And here are some recommendations for you to also discover that. That's awesome. Jenna, how about you? Um, I can't say that I've since joining the Bookstagram community within that faced any backlash, which I've been really appreciative of. It's been a beautiful community to be a part of, and I've made some amazing friends with it. I think like Emmy, it's kind of more in the like at work or talking to other people that I've gotten not necessarily like a backlash, but like that negative reaction of like, oh, you read romance. And I've kind of decided to flip it on its head because I have friends that read and but they only read like nonfiction or um, some other kind of genre. And they they're hesitant to try romance because they see it as this kind of fluffy, not not as deep genre of books but I find that now having read quite a few I try and look through and think you know what I bet if they read this author they would really connect with the character and then I can kind of continue recommendations and I've gotten friends kind of into the genre just with looking at books being like you know what this is going to really suit them and I can see how they would connect with these characters in it or see how they could enjoy this story or how this will speak to them and just kind of try and sneak it in a little bit <laughs> but just and having those conversations and being really open about it we started a massive book club in our um 
at our work when it was kind of trying to just bring morale and kind of bond a lot of new staff together. And it was an amazing experience. And it was mostly um, romance books that and talking about romance and everyone realizing that we all read the same kind of books, but no one was talking about it because we were all a little bit shy and weren't sure how people would react. And once that came out, oh my goodness, it's like you lit a fire under all of them and everyone wanted to talk about which books, who was reading and everything. It's been great. It's funny because I I find that a lot where people just don't, they all read the same books, but nobody says it out loud. And then when one person says it, it's like, oh wait, actually I've also read that book. And then they just didn't want to say it first. And oftentimes it's that initial, like someone needs to be the one to speak up. And the nice thing with the way that TikTok and Bookstagram have gone with bringing a lot of that into the forefront is that all it takes is one person. And then everyone's like, actually, I read that too. And it makes people feel like they're not alone in what they like and that it's not, you know, a guilty pleasure and something they can talk about with other people. And I think that that's a really important thing that's come out of this kind of like social media push from books, especially in like the romance genre. Like it's huge on book talk and Instagram. And that's one really positive thing that's come out of it. It's also Lexi and I have talked about this on the podcast um, is that sometimes people will find a romance novel that's not for them. I mean, the same way that like monster romance, not for everybody. That doesn't mean that you have to read it and then hate it. So it's it's finding recommendations that work for the person and like having people who've read a lot of books, especially things like ARCs and just like are out posting about it, you're able to then give a very specific recommendation and say, how about you start here? And then if you like it or what you don't like it, we can talk about another recommendation. And oftentimes that's the like initial thing people need to then move towards finding a book that they like rather than like they tried something really popular it didn't work for them because it just wasn't something that they were into moving on kind of the same train um for our two authors on the panel we've had a huge push in diversity within characters whether that's you know whether that's race whether that's disability having representation across the board in romance and having that actually not just be something that is it's a, it's there but it's not talked about because those books always existed but they haven't really been pushed to the forefront um as they have in the last couple years let's say especially with you know book talk and instagram taking off what is in in your opinion how is the romance genre involved in terms of you know diverse relationships and characters um and what progress have you, you know, observed, but what, where are their areas of improvement? Um, I know Jackie, you write a lot of your characters are within the, that kind of BIPOC community. They're in that, um, they're not, they're not white characters. And from people who are, my sister and I are both within the community, we're both biracial. Um, and we actually read, you know, holidays with the, with the Wongs. And it was really nice to see characters that represented us and, we felt connected to and that's actually a lot rarer than than people think it is um so from i mean jackie but you start from your perspective you know where do we see what have you noticed that is progressed but what have you noticed that needs to keep happening so i feel kind of old right now because i started writing in 2010 and i actually didn't start reading till after i reading romance till after i started writing i was writing more women's fiction at the beginning um 
And so that was like 13 years ago. And it was very, very different back then. And so when I started writing, I was writing um, mostly white characters and um, writing for small presses. And like, yeah, it has changed a lot. I think one thing that has helped is self-publishing because uh, you don't have to get through gatekeepers um, if you self-publish. You don't need to uh, write something that will have mass appeal to white people um, and get it past an agent and an editor. Um, so some books that might not otherwise have been published uh, have been self-published and then people can see that there's a market for it. So I think that self-publishing um, has really helped. Um, I think uh, the co covers are kind of interesting because uh, the illustrated covers have definitely brought some people in who weren't reading romance before and they can get around the issue of the stock photo issue in some cases if the publisher is not doing a mm -hmm. photo shoot um because that's uh, a bit of a problem um so yeah i've definitely seen changes in the like decade and a bit uh one thing is that it's still some of the comments or reviews if you read your reviews that you still get um can be a bit uh uh like sometimes some people read books by diverse authors hoping to like learn something and if your goal is really to learn something then don't read a romance novel about it like not saying you won't learn something but like don't mm -hmm. complain that my book didn't teach you enough about the lunar new year because like it's a romance novel that's not why i wrote it <laughs> um to yeah teach you. so sometimes you get reviews and comments like that that can be kind of frustrating the way that people see this as something good for them that they're supposed to read and that's supposed to teach them something and they can't um, just let themselves be entertained, I guess. That's that's interesting um, that people look as look at it's like a hey, like maybe I'll learn something about, you know, this race. And then they say like, well, I didn't learn anything. And you're like, well, that's not that's not that's not why I wrote the book. Yeah, it wasn't the purpose of this book. So that's that's actually really interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that is like that's potentially not necessarily like bad but just not what you were expecting when you first started writing diverse characters um in your novels yeah and also people will then make comments like they're surprised these characters were like just like them or you know it's sort of like this very weird wow these people are people just like us kind of it's not exactly that explicit but sometimes it veers towards that territory and yeah comfortable interesting um so on the flip side, I mean, Alexandria, you're uh, a newer author and self-publish. So from your perspective, you know, how has that made a difference for you in the fact that you can self-publish? And that is very much a thing that has pushed a lot of authors self-publish now, especially with Kindle Unlimited has made such a big difference in getting, you know, authors that are indie out into the, like, into the world and able to get in front of people. Um, you know, how have you seen that kind of progression in the few years that you've been writing, but also where do you think it should go? Well, I think we have to continue to, you know, bring awareness to things as always. And I do see there is progressions. I agree with Jackie. Like I remember back when like it was all, like when I started reading romance, it was always like white authors. It was always the same. Like the stock photos was always a big one. So it is nice to see now that there is so much more, like voices are being heard. That's a big thing. And like people, I'm very much that I love when somebody can read a book and relate to it. Like, I love that. 
as much as like it is that escapism of course but I do like being able to relate up to a like a character in a way like a big thing for me is like curvy like being bigger like a plus size girl like I that's one thing I love to be able to relate to and I'm like oh because before like when I when I started reading romance it was like the perfect female character like it was always described that way and you were always like oh goodness like you know like sometimes you want to imagine yourself while you're reading because you know you just do it and I find that we're like yeah like we have to continue like growing and bringing that awareness to romance and to books in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. I mean, the very nice thing with yes, stock photos is like now that you can do your own thing with your cover and like cartoon covers has really opened that door um, with being able to a show what the actual romance, the characters look like. Cause how many times have you read a book where you're like, this is not what this person looked like at all because it's a stock photo and sometimes authors don't have control over what the publishers put on the, they're like, here are your options. And you're like, none of these are good. So I'll pick the less bad option. And that's just like, unfortunately, the way that publishing is sometimes. So it's nice to be able to see your characters actually represented on a cover as well. And then also for people to pick up a book and be like, oh, I can see who this is about rather than it being something super random because it's a stock photo and there's, yeah, only so much control you have over that. There's the dilemma of people not liking people covers now. Like a lot of people are leaning away from them. So then like that's mm. where you have to do is you're like, well, I don't want to put people on the cover because a lot of people are trying to get away from that, but they're liking the cartoon covers. So then it's, it's giving you a little bit more flexibility with covers now because you can kind of adapt it a little bit more yeah I I was saying that I was saying this to my sister the other day that we uh I saw a picture on Instagram that was like a romance shelf and the like end panel was all like old school like the shirtless guy with no head and like the caption at the top was like the sign that said dude where's your shirt and it's like it was like that was the front panel to the romance section and I was but that's like there was a time where that was really all the options that they even gave authors too, right? Like they were like, here are your options. And you're like, they're all the same. That's, and that's just the way that it was at, at one point in time. Whereas now when you look at shelves, there's such a big range of like, there are people covers, there are cartoon covers, there are covers that just don't have people on them in general. And it's nice to see the diversity because it's also great for authors to have that option to pick, which is huge. I just wanted to add quickly to that when publishers buy books um, by uh, authors with marginalized identities, they have to actually uh, put in the effort to market and edit them properly because sometimes what happens is they just throw stuff out and then they say, well, there's no market because it didn't sell, but they didn't actually give it the support it needs. Or if someone doesn't break out in the first book, then they drop them. Um, so that's one thing I do think needs to change in publishing is that uh, if they're going to buy, they they should keep buying books by marginalized authors, but they have to support those books as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. So moving in um, a similar direction, um, and this will be a question for across the kind of the whole panel. So there's been a lot of conversation also within romance when it comes to things like consent and, you know, promoting healthy relationships as a whole. And that being a really big bonus of, of romance, of people seeing healthy relationships as you know from an instagrammer perspective as people who are recommending books to people and be like this is why i loved a book how do you feel like that's important in the books that you recommend 
Um, is that something that you think about when you're like, oh, like this is actually a really great representation when it comes to those kind of things? And do you think that that matters when we start recommending books moving forward, especially for those like, let's say new, like new adult is a, is a weird kind of subgenre that's kind of been created within romance and a very big thing with new adult is it's it's that in-between period and having that you know consent culture in those books can be really important moving forward um how do you think that that will change in your recommendations for instance like let's say in a new adult book jenna would you like to start (laughs) i'm so slow to get to my mute button i tell you (laughs) um i find it's been a really interesting journey having read romance like for quite a while um that it there was a point where it almost seemed strange to see the characters checking in with each other so much but at the same time refreshing and I find there's quite a surgence of like the dark romance and um taboo romance but that I've seen a beautiful trend within it that consent and checking in and having really strong bonds with the partners is a huge thing within that and I do try when making book recommendations to look at at all of the things that are within it and look at um, kind of triggers or anything with the person that I'm recommending to um, so that they can kind of get a good idea of it. But I feel like I'm just seeing more and more that more positive representation of consent and more um, and it's more prominent in the writing that I've been reading lately which I think is great usually if I'm reading a book and it's I'm finding that the consent or anything like that isn't written in a way that I'm comfortable with I usually have trouble finishing the book but that's my own kind of comfort with that but I I've been seeing like really nice trends with it I don't know what others are seeing but that's kind of where I feel like it's been going and I I read the whole spectrum of it and it's been really nice to see Mm -hmm. Emmy anything to add Yes, uh, I don't really read the whole spectrum. I, I've read a few dark romances, but it's just not my favorite. But I, I need some recommendations to read some more to get more into it. So we can discuss that later. And, um, but for me, I started around 2021 reading romance because before that was a genre I had no idea existed. I because before that it was only Twilight, and then after that I fell off the wagon for reading, and then after I found romance and seeing the transition because I I have seen the difference of more and more books have been consensual like recently that I've been finding and I absolutely love that it's something I love I also love how it's something that's discussed in books because I think it that's some it's a discussion maybe in real life that people have a hard time seeing or something that's a bit more difficult to talk about in real life so just having that in books embedded can bring this con- the consent and the importance of it to light, especially because for me growing up, that was something my I never talked to my parents about these things. So I'm like having that in books and like having young readers read it and seeing the importance of consent is amazing. And it makes me really happy that it's bringing, it's more into light right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was a time when Bodice Ripper was the almost the only option that you saw on shelves for the most. Like there was a, it was a very big majority of books that were on shelves, um, and 
it's a very old school term, bodice ripper. So it's interesting to move on the flip side of that with this kind of new insurgence of like new new adult. And a lot of those, it's the conversation of consent that it makes the difference and having the conversation take place in the book. So, I mean, Alexandria, you not only read a big range of books, um, but also write a big range of books. Do you... How do you feel as an author when it comes to, do you feel like you have a responsibility to have that kind of consent culture within your book, especially in those that borderline on, you know, you know, dark, darker concepts or like taboo when oftentimes that's a, especially in dark romance, it's kind of a suspend belief in some aspects. And there's a lot of that, that you, I mean, goes into trigger warnings and all that kind of stuff. So as an author, like, how does that play into, you know, your writing? For me, I love trigger warnings for that reason, because I find for my, one of my recent ones, Touch of Sin, that one uh, is, I did have that struggle of that. Oh, sorry. Are you still there? Oh goodness. My phone just got wonky. Um, but Touch of Sin did have that boundary where I did have that trigger warning because there is a pretty intense scene in it that does lack the consent, but I found that it kind of worked with the story and the consent kind of came afterwards. And it kind of was discussed a little bit more afterwards. Um, and I think that was just because Nico, my hero in that one, it, he hit home to me. He was a lot of, he was a very personal character in the way he acts and the reason he has his, the reason he does what he does. And that was like something that I always think about too, is the consent part, because that's one thing that in that book, they talked about it afterwards. And I think it is a conversation that needs to be had. And it's one thing that I, think is I'm genuinely loving seeing in romance now is like the consent and talking and I'm massive on communication. So I love seeing that the characters are doing it. Um, So I do try and I'm, as as you've said, I'm a new author. So I am always learning. And that's one thing I am trying to move forward is definitely that is like key to keep in my books is the consent and making sure that the characters are aware. And especially because Touch of Sin is a new adult. And yes, you're right. It is one of those weird like genres that you're like Mm -hmm. like how do I navigate this um and I do think sometimes I am like oh I could have done this way better but again we can only get better um but I definitely think it is it's a complex thing to try and I think that's again another thing about romance is it is complex emotions and things to take on in a novel yeah and it's something that people don't especially who don't read romance even think about as like this conversation that is had and also just like if you're a new adult or even like i mean we've all been a teenager if you've read romance for a long time and reading a book that's like potentially slightly too old for you and seeing those things are actually really important because like that's what i mean the internet is a vast place and like you don't know who's seeing what content so like them picking up a book that like may be a little older for them and having those conversations in it are still really important so it's an interesting, it's an interesting direction. It's a great direction, but very different than like where, you know, romance started with this like bodice ripper where like you couldn't admit that you wanted something. It had to be like forced upon you. Whereas now that's not the case, which is very different than what it used to be. So big box chain bookstores so like Indigo, for example, um, are starting to carry like a pretty big variety of romance subgenres so things from like you see monster now on the shelves you see a lot more taboo books on the shelves 
Um, like I was at Indigo the other day and I saw the cat and mouse duet by HD Carlton, which is on the far extreme end in some <laughs> cases of dark. And it's interesting to see that change from a romance genre, like evolution from, you know, where we used to be and what was on the shelves to what is currently on the shelves. Um, maybe we can go around the panel and talk about, you know, what trends you see shaping moving forward in the kind of genre and where we're going now that we're seeing this insurgence of like everything is now on display where that wasn't the case before. Um, who wants to start? That's a big question. <laughs> I'm, I mean, like I'm thinking about the fact that like, realistically, if we go back, like we look at Fifty Shades of Grey, like he, Christian Grey was a, like, he was not the greatest character, right? Like you know, mm, but I think there's a lot more <laughs> I about it. Now it's just like, again, with the romance, now that it, there's more awareness to it, it's just being open about what is on the shelves rather than trying to hide it and keeping like the section like small and tiny. I think there's just more awareness now and there's the demand for romance, right? So I think that's why it's growing and they're doing it based on what's selling, right? The cat and mouse duet, for example, I never would have thought I would see something like that in Indigo. On the shelves, yeah. Yeah, I'm still to this day, I'm like, I haven't read them, but I keep seeing, I own them, but I keep seeing them like little TikToks. I'm like, this mm -hmm. is what it's about. Oh my gosh. So yeah, when I saw those on the shelf, I was like, Huh. So that's, I think it was a lot more like kind of like hush hush when you did see that, like when the characters, when they, it was that kind of border that you're like, is this, is this okay to be here? Like it was that kind of border that you're like, mm. Mm. but I guess like it's the awareness that now romance is getting bigger and there's the, the demand for it. Mm -hmm. Who wants to comment next? Jenna? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I just feel like, um, like you're saying, like Alex was saying in, indigo seeing those books on the shelves seeing them more at the forefront it's going to help with what we were previously talking about with that taboo and those negative reactions you get with romance because it's out there so you holding whether it's a monster romance dark romance a why choose book and reading that out on whatever transit or i wouldn't recommend reading it while driving get an audiobook at that point but you know what i mean like seeing <laughs> seeing the um covers the cartoon covers or or even sometimes the model covers it's it'll be more normalized because yeah your grandmother or whoever has seen that cover already in indigo when they were walking through to get whatever book they were looking for so it's not as scary to proudly kind of wear that when you're out and about and like not having to necessarily have like the cover the book cover hidden and and just and yeah I, I think it's I think it's a great way for it to shift and just make it more integrated into everything yeah that's it's interesting that you say that it's because they're on the shelves if I'm reading a book that's on the shelf on the train people are going to look at it a lot less because they've already passed by it so it doesn't look out of the ordinary to then see somebody read it in public when they've you know walked by it five or six times at indigo so it's that's that's very interesting i didn't even think of that how it just being like just being on the shelf makes a big difference like them just being there and then you're not afraid to then even if the person doesn't know what's in the book to even just read it in public and like be like and then it also then someone who does know what's in the book is like, oh, well, they're doing it. Why can't I do it? And it like is that chain reaction of like, we we don't have to hide this. It's OK. 
Emmy, do you have any thoughts? I know that dark romance or or Jackie, if you want to jump in, isn't, uh, you know, maybe everybody's cup of tea, but it's very interesting to see the difference in just where things have gone. I mean, like, I read almost exclusively on my e-reader, so no one's seeing the covers of what I'm reading anyway, <laughs> um, unless I'm starting at the very beginning. So that's not really something I really think of as a reader. I guess I haven't really been paying really close attention to the romance section at Indigo until I had my own books there, which was not that long ago. So I can't say a ton about how what's actually sold in stores has changed. I mean, from publishers, the whole trend is that trade paperbacks are now the main thing you see in the romance section, and it used to be mostly Mm -hmm. mass markets. Um, So that's one change that has happened. And we've talked about the covers a bit too. Um, That's changed quite a bit. Do you feel like as a writer, I mean, both Alex and Jackie, you can maybe comment on this. Now that you're seeing this huge range of, you know, subgenre within the romance, you know, on the shelves and people talking about it, does that make you more inclined to step out of your writing box and try something that maybe you hadn't before because you're like, well, now there's just less shame in general about any of these things? Um, I feel like (laughs) I got over the shame part like a long time ago um, because I feel old. Um, But uh, also I write very like light romance. I don't write anything approaching dark romance. I don't write anything taboo. Um, So and I I feel no inclination to move that way at all. Like I just it's just not me. So um, I feel like it hasn't really affected my writing from that respect. Once I got comfortable with writing romance, I mean, that was sort of where it ended for me mostly it's more that now that I've written a lot I'm like well I've already done you know so many fake dating books or you start wanting to try something new just because you've written so much (laughs) so that happens to me a bit but Alex anything anything that you want to add (laughs) so for me I've always been like a shameless romance reader like I have no shame when reading it and then even when I started writing it I was very much I'm going to write whatever I want whatever I'm feeling. So if like, that's where I, my first book is a small town contemporary. And then I went to step sibling. Somehow I was like, I'm just, I was feeling that story and I wrote it. And then I have a book coming up at the end of this month. That's a why choose steps like step family romance. So I'm like, I am very much, I have always just written whatever, whenever the characters come to me, I just kind of, I write it and I try not to feel that like that worry and like oh god like this is a lot especially if you write like taboo forbidden anything in that dark realm you're like people might think I'm crazy and I'm like oh no and I have a lot a lot of I love how supportive I have like my work like colleagues everyone is but they all read my books too and I'm like sometimes I'm like oh god I'm like you cannot (laughs) judge on what I write because I like what I write so I'm very much like shameless and I just genuinely like whenever the characters come to me I just like writing even though sometimes I'm like, whoa, this is different, but it's okay. <laughs> Emmy, is there anything you want to add? I know that dark romance maybe necessarily isn't your forte, um, but does it make you more inclined to try a book if you're, you know, looking at the shelf and you're seeing, you know, yours truly next to an H.G. Carlton book? Does that make you want to pick up that book more, like seeing oh. them all together? Of course. Yeah. I have, I have a haunting Adeline. It's somewhere on my bookshelf. I just haven't, 
had the courage yet to, to read it, but I'm slowly working my way up. I read um, Hooked by, oh shoot, I'm forgetting what the name of the author is, but that was my darkest romance I read so far and I was okay with it. So that's a good step, I think, but seeing them more in public because Oh my, I'm just I'm just blanking on the author's name, but that whole series, The Never After, um, and the dark takes on it. I've read most of that series, and I know that one's a bit dark, but I love being able to see those ones in Indigo and being like, oh, that's actually a really good step towards dark romance. Mm. That's what that's why I started reading it. That's why someone recommended to me, being like, it's a good it's a good step to start your journey into dark romance. Um, and yeah, just seeing them with those discrete covers too makes it a lot easier um but you know it's dark because the colors are very different than the contemporary romance so you know you kind of get an idea of what you're getting yourself into but just having them more in public more open it's just it's wonderful and makes me really happy that we're living in this era <laughs> i'm sure that all of us on this panel can agree with that that it just it's it's a good time to be in romance <laughs> in general um, okay, we are going to move into some of the Q&A questions because we've got actually a couple. Um, and then we'll kind of wrap up our panel at the end here. So one of the questions that we've got is for the authors of the group. Um, have you ever drawn inspiration from real life romantic encounters when you write passionate scenes? Don't feel like you have to answer <laughs> it's a bit of a juicy no. question no not really <laughs> I'm trying to think on it I'm like I don't like a lot of my books like they they do have notion of personal stuff but spicy like I don't maybe one <laughs> maybe one that I can think of then another so, question that we've got from the authors is how when you start writing a book how do you get started you know where do your characters you know start in that like do you follow that train and know alex you were saying that like they just come to me and i just i lean into it and we're just here um and how long does it usually take you to start a, to finish a book once you've kind of started a writing process i'm sure that probably varies kind of across the board with every story um so one thing that varies a lot too is that how how long my books are because i am uh, both a indie author and a trad author so I have books that range from like 30,000 word novella to 90,000 word um, book for publisher so and I always I take breaks like I, I alternate between projects I'll like draft one book and then I'll go and edit a different book and then work on a third book before going back to the first book so like <laughs> sometimes it takes a while but I don't work straight through on one project um like the last trad book I did, I think from the time I started it to the time I handed, after the proposal, the time I started it to the time I handed it in to the editor, I think was five months. So I can usually write the first draft um, of something that long would take a bit over a month. But then I do two rounds of revi revisions before I, I send it to the editor. Okay. Alex, anything that you want to add there? Yeah, like for me, like my inspiration comes from character. It's very randomly. Like I like will be working out and this idea will come to me. And then the characters, and I'm like, okay, well, this is it now. Like we're here, we're getting the story out. And like I'm very much like 
that, but my process is terrible. Like I am very a non-disciplined author because I work in social media and I do a lot of like creative writing during the day for social media for my job. So by the time I'm done working, my brain is gone. Like my brain is like, I don't want to even think about looking at a computer. So my motivation, like it varies. If I actually sit and write, I can get a book out quite quickly because I write and I type very fast, but it just, I have to be in that, like that zone for me to actually want to sit and write and get these characters out. And hence why, like, it'll take me usually a year to actually fully do stuff with books and get a book out because I tend to take my time with it because I just, the motivation sometimes just disappears. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we can all, we can all feel that when you're just like, and not today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So then for the um, influencer of the group, how do you feel about, you know, sharing popular titles with kind of your audience, but also, you know, how do you find those hidden gems? And I'm sure you get sent a lot of arcs as well. So how do you find the balance between, you know, sharing those, you know, really popular titles that everyone is talking about, but also finding those like hidden gem books? You're like, people have to know about this book. Um, I guess I can start with that. So I think starting with popular books is a good way to start. Um, like starting out as a romance reader that way again I don't necessarily agree that the popular books are the good books sometimes sometimes they're trendy for particular reasons um, but sometimes like that's how I got into romance I was reading The Hating Game which looking back is not the best book but that's what got me hooked on romance enemies to lovers workplace romance oh, those tropes are forever going to be one of my favorites because I got into that book that was my gateway and then after that I was able to find hidden gems based on what I knew and again it comes from trying out what you like and seeing recommendations or taking a chance on something that sometimes you're going to read the back and be like oh this sounds good and then you're going to be like oh my goodness this is the best book I ever read and it could also be looking at a um a cover being like oh this looks i'm i'm someone who like i base my books off covers i'm really bad with that i know we shouldn't <laughs> we i feel but, like we all do in some aspect pick the the prettiest cover that like draws our eye <laughs> exactly so sometimes i will pick up that book i have no idea what it's about and i will fall in love with it or some days it might be the opposite i might find that read that book and absolutely hate it dnf it um but you have to try someone some bad ones to find the good ones so my that's my biggest recommendation is to find hidden gems and as for recommendations uh I'm a very big lover of diverse books I love I I have ADHD so I love seeing that representation represented in books and I love I um so one of my favorite authors is Chloe Lies. And she writes the Bergman Brothers series. Um, She will always have a huge place in my heart. And she even wrote a book. I also have celiac disease. And she wrote a book with a character with that. And that was the first time I saw my autoimmune disease represented in a book. And that was a really cool moment. So um, I would recommend her books, especially for neurodivergent, LGBTQ. Her whole series are very, very amazing. We are also a big Chloe fan at the podcast. <laughs> um, and we have read a, 
quite a few of all of her books kind of across the two of us on the podcast. So we we would also back any of those kind of books. So I agree. Um, Jenna, how about you? Um, so I've read a lot of the popular books and I think I agree with Emmy in that it is a great place to start, but I also um, really try and be honest. And if I don't like one of the popular books, I'm not going to falsely promote it just for the sake of having that popular book on my feed. Um, I think some of the books that I found like those hidden gems um, out on a limb, the one I talked about before was from a friend of mine's, um, her Instagram page that she had recommended it and gave it this glowing review and I was like, I'm going to read this and was just struck by it. And I loved that book for it. And another author that I found, um, I don't know if you've read Maisie Eddings. Um, her books are amazing. And I found one by an arc that I happened to request on NetGalley. Didn't realize it was the third book in a series and read that and was so struck by that book. Messaged the author, read her other books. I was crying on a plane. Um, going to a trip reading one of her books um, it's called a brush with love and it seems like such an uh kind of not silly but like a title that doesn't wouldn't evoke that level of emotion but as someone who has had issues with anxiety and that I see myself in that character and the way she was feeling things and just her entire um books are always are with the neurodivergent and looking at um that one particularly anxiety or ADHD or PTSD and um, and it's just brilliant to find those little ones and I find I start following those authors and you'll see them recommend other smaller authors as well and so you find their books and it just becomes this cascade of finding all these little hidden gems through just looking at different people's feeds seeing which authors kind of I find authors tend to be really good friends with each other within genres and that and so you find other authors and books and it's just been an amazing journey in that sense for finding great reads yeah I think that a part of the hidden gem kind of like how do you find those a lot of it starts with like reading that one big you know bestseller and then kind of snowballing from like I liked this aspect and then going from like down that rabbit hole of like, okay, like we like enemies to lovers now. We're going to go down this hole and see what we can find here. And kind of that, um, like following those, but also following either authors, but also, you know, influencers that recommend hidden gems, which isn't always common. I find that there are some influencers that will stick kind of to the big bestsellers, which is great um, for getting people into the genre, but not necessarily, you know, as they go down that journey of like romance. So the last question I have before we kind of close up our panel a little bit um, for the authors then is I'm sure you guys, whether you get this question or not um, a lot with, you know, finding that kind of hidden, hidden gem book. Do you have people ask you guys, you know, I'm looking for a book like yours. I've read all of your catalog already. Do you have anyone you can recommend that I can read? Um, do you get that question? And if you do, do you have a recommendation for our audience that, you know, if they like your writing, who else they should they be reading? So I'm actually not sure I get it a lot, but I have gotten it before. Um, let me, I'm just going to pull up the book so that I can link to it in the 
so this is um, so a lot. My books, um, they all have at least one uh, Asian Canadian character, um, and they're fairly light and low angst, and they have a lot of food. So this the one book um, <laughs> that I like that is sort of along that line. Those lines is called A Milky Way Home. I just put it in the chat. Um, and it's a novella with two Asian characters, and it's, uh, I can't remember their exact identities. I think uh, they're both bi, and one of them is uh, non-binary, perhaps. I read it a little while ago, and it says very similar vibe to some of my books, so I've recommended that one before. Awesome. We'll have to link that in our show notes as well. I will make sure I have that link, and I'll link that in their show notes. That's great. Alex, do you have anything? It's a really hard question. I know we kind of threw it at you. <laughs> it is. And I don't think because I'm a newer author and I'm still kind of like very low in like all the community when it comes to that. I don't think I've ever been asked. That. But like, as you know, like I'm a bookstagrammer too. So like I tend to like if there's somebody looking for step sibling or someone looking for like that small town or a curvy heroine, I tend to be able to grab from that and I'll be able to recommend books based on tropes similar to mine because I also don't think I've honed in on my craft of writing to be the best as it could be so that's why I'm always like I, I can't compare myself to some awesome authors and writers that I'm like I'm like no so sometimes I'm like I can't but like other times there's yeah like I could like at the moment of course you've asked me this and my mind has gone blank on all my recommendations even though I <laughs> But I tend to, that's what I tend to grasp from is the tropes that I have in my book. And that's when I'll push out other tropes that are similar to mine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, okay. So then to kind of wrap up the the panel, um, uh, let's everyone plug themselves. So where can we find you? What do you have if you're, you know, an author? Do you have anything coming up? Anything that we should note that we should go and take a look at? Um, and then can you give us one must read recommendation in general? Any, anything that you're like, this is a book that I want people to, to read. Does anyone want to start? <laughs> okay. I have, I have a Kickstarter right now, actually. And it's for two books. And this is the first one, two novellas. Sorry. I am blurring my background. Uh, two novellas in uh, a world that's based around a sitcom that's similar to Schitt's Creek or Kim's Convenience. And um, you can go to my website, which is JackieLowBooks.com, uh, get links to the Kickstarter. And uh, one book that I really like is Coming Clean uh, by Jen Trin. That's about a Hollywood star and a goth fashion designer. And uh, because I liked it so much and like my series that had uh, Asian actors as main characters uh if you back the kickstarter you get a free copy um but but only you have to do it by the end of today um or you can buy it at it's available at all retailers awesome who wants to go next <laughs> I, I can go next um i actually have a book coming out in two weeks i co-wrote a book called wicked little thing is i mentioned it earlier it is a taboo romance it is very much taboo because it is a girl whose mom passes away and her step siblings. So she has her stepdad and her two step brothers. We really were playing with this line when we were working on it. So that is one of my, my self plug that you can find on Amazon on November 30th. And then I, a book that I love to recommend just because one, she's my best friend in real life and it's who I'm co-writing wicked little thing with is J a Carter. She has a paranormal 
why choose romance out and it's vampires the series is the blood oath series it's super fun they're very short books six of them they're super short spicy like just overall fun reads so those those are the ones i'd recommend and i can't drop any links because i am on my phone but we will i when i go back to rec- listen to the audio i will put all the links for everything in the show notes so if anyone is listening to this kind of post live panel all of it will be in the show notes for people as well jenna do you want to start or emmy do you want to go ahead i can go um so you can find me on instagram as rhiannon dot the dot reader um and i will continue to have lots of fun recommendations or if you ever have any questions or want to chat i'm always open to it um i was trying to think of what book to recommend and i feel like we keep talking about monster romance and paranormal romance and my recommendation as the intro book for that always goes back to ashley bennett i don't know if anyone has read Mm -hmm. her books yes (laughs) yes we also on the podcast we read tentacles and triathlon and we also said that this is like if you're looking for an intro this is the Mm -hmm. book to start with like her series is a good intro to start with for monster we agree yeah (laughs) i love that series because that's the second book in the series and yeah and they she just brought out the third one which is because the first book is the daughter and then the son and the third book is their mom and it's all of them finding love with their monster partners and it's they're just cozy and I honestly reread them all the time but that would be I figure we got to represent the monster romance on here and so that's where I would say to start (laughs) I love that that's yeah that's that's funny you got a lot of nodding heads (laughs) which is great (laughs) one is so good like muscles and monsters which it's such a cozy read it It is is. something cozy I was reading this and like so many like the monster romances tend to be so like they have that yeah but I was like Ashley you've just made me like want to grab like my tea kind of love with my blanket and just be like this is adorable and I love Alice like it is so good they're they're a great like intro to monster romance because they're they're not monster tends to be a little on the darker side for the most part I think and these ones are not they're just like really fun and like lighthearted but just like still have that monster aspect which is always really really fun yeah agreed Emmy anything (laughs) that you want to add what I am actually so excited to read these now um (laughs) these will be like fast forward on my uh, TBR um sorry I'm just like I've never read a monster romance, but now I'm really interested. So I'm really excited to get on the bandwagon with that. Um, so you can find me at just a fellow reader on Instagram. Uh, feel free to message me. And I love giving book recommendations and making new friends. And I, cause that's also how you find good book recommendations. You talk to people and they recommend books and that's the best way to get to know books. And one of the books I would recommend, I wrote a little list on the chat just from some authors that I could think about at the top of my head. Um, but one of one book series I would recommend, and because we're going to stay with Canadian authors for me for this, Elsie uh, Silver, um, especially the Chestnut Spring series. Um, it takes place in Calgary, where I'm from. So it was really fun <laughs> to read and see the Chinooks represented and just 
some of the things like the rodeos and stuff that make Calgary what it is. So Elsie Silver books and their cowboy romance, small town. The tropes are great. I would highly recommend those books. <laughs> you also got a lot of Albertans on the call. So that's very fitting. <laughs> that's what you recommend. I love it's, that. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Well, I just want to thank all of our panelists um, for you know taking the time to be here with us today and answering all of our questions. This, if you're you know here with us live, thank you for coming. Um, the giveaways what will happen is that I'm going to go through the attendees, and if you are going to win something, so whether it's an ebook, we're also giving away one of the boxes. Um, that will I will notify you via email. So whatever email you use to sign up for the. Uh, panel will be the email that we contact you with um, and that's how you'll kind of win the giveaway because we'll do that kind of at the end um, on our back-end admin side um, we also this pod this podcast and also just you know this panel was really big for us a it's something that we haven't done before um, and we're very happy to have all Canadians on our panel which is awesome um, because that's a really big thing for us um, so we also have a book box that is coming out uh, coming at the end of November. So the pre-orders will start in November. And a really big thing with that book box is having kind of handpicked items. And all of those items are actually going to be from small Canadian businesses um, within the box. Because um, that's a really important thing to us to kind of promote local. And I feel like we're not represented enough kind of in the in the romance space. So it'll be it'll be nice um, to kind of have that as part of our box. So our first box uh, will be shipping out in the new year in our winter box. So it'll be January, February, and March that I'll count for. You'll get three books in the deluxe box and three to four kind of local items that we've already kind of handpicked. So stay tuned because we'll be announcing those fairly shortly in our Instagram, um, as well as kind of on our email list and our website. If you haven't checked that out, uh, the first boxes will be pretty limited. So if you do want a box, uh, we recommend jumping on it because we are doing a limited run in the kind of the first go. Um, and it'll be a subscription. So every every quarter or season, you will get a box directly to your door um, with all of kind of the goodies in the books. Um, so we really hope that you sign up or at least take a look at our Instagram to see what we've got coming because the businesses that we picked are really great, um, kind of ranging from kind of throughout Canada, actually, in this first box, which has been really lovely. So thank you for joining us. Um, this will go live in the next few weeks for those panelists. I will also send you guys the link for that. Um, thank you for joining us. And thank you to all the attendees for coming and all of you who are listening, you know, post who couldn't join us live because we really appreciate your support and the authors and the panelists really appreciate your support. So please check them out. They'll all be linked in the show notes. Um, so you'll be able to check all of them out um, as well as anything that was mentioned in the podcast today will be linked in the show notes for everyone to go back and find those links. So thank you for coming. And we really appreciate you being here. And we'll be in your ears again soon. 